Let's pray. Father, we honor you. God, we glorify you. We thank you for who you are and what you do. I just believe, Lord, as we sang this morning, that you are more than enough. God, you are more than enough. If people came in here sick today, I believe you are their healer. If people came in here troubled today, Lord, I believe that you are giving them peace. If there's people in here that are broken, Lord, you are their restoration. If there's people in here that are confused, Lord, I believe they're leaving here with clarity and wisdom. Maybe there's people that feel like there is no way for them, but you are the way. And you make a way where there seems to be no way. So Jesus, I pray that you will be exactly who every person in this room needs you to be for them. Not that I would determine it for them, You be who they need you to be. Because you are more than enough. That is not a song we sing. That is who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in a Hot Ones series. And uh, uh, Pastor Jabin and Shannon had you all submit questions and things you were thinking about, things you're facing. And many of the questions were about anxiety, depression, overburden, overstress, suicide. And as you know, all of that kind of gets balled together in one, okay? I went on a three-year study a few years ago about the peace of God. I personally, for many years in my life, struggled significantly with anxiety, with insomnia, uh, borderline fell into depression at times. Uh, very negative thinking, and it frustrated me. Plus, I'm a pastor, and so I talk to a lot of people, I counsel people, and many of them would come to me with anxiety, depression, and I didn't know how to help them. And there's nothing wrong, there's nothing worse than being asked for help and you don't know how to give it. And Part of the frustration as us Christians who deal with anxiety and depression, and as you know, anxiety and depression has skyrocketed in the last 18 months. 80% of Americans now say that they deal with continuous anxiety. So that means that the good majority of the people in this room, you are dealing with some form of anxiety or depression. Except that then we worship Jesus and we hear that he's the God of peace. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The night Jesus was born, the angel declared what? Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. We read Philippians 4 that says there's a peace that surpasses understanding. And yet, it is missing from our life. So, I'm going to try to teach you as fast as I can, okay? I did a series on this called The Missing Piece. I've put it on the link in my bio on my Instagram page. Um, If you want the whole series, please go listen to it. I'm not signing you up for an email. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to fill out an account, and I'm not promoting myself. If you don't want to follow me, don't. If you want to, that's cool. But I just want you to have the series, okay? Because I can't teach it all to you today. Although tonight, I will teach another part of it. 
So I'm going to really encourage you to come back to church tonight. And some of you are thinking, oh, my God, church twice on a Sunday? Like, well, what else are you going to do? You're going to watch football? Record it. Football's not going to change your life. Football's not going to help you sleep better. Like, football's not going get to get you closer to Jesus. So you just decide right now you're coming back at 6. But why don't you get here like a little early and meet some people and get signed up in a group too, okay? All right, Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Oh, no, it says rejoice in the Lord what? Always. Always. Uh, So even in the worst of times, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, Paul says, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Okay, Jesus. (laughs) Has anybody ever read that verse and hated it? You're like, are we allowed to admit it? Here, I'll admit it. And I'm a pastor. But I used to read that, and it, it would say, be anxious for nothing. And I'd be like, dude, I'm anxious about everything. <laughs> now I'm reading the Bible, and I'm anxious that I'm not good enough to do what the Bible's telling me to do. Except here's the thing about God. God doesn't set you up for failure. He sets you up for success. So if he tells you to do something, then he's going to show you how to do it. Okay? So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, in anxiety, come to me. In anxiety, come to me. In anxiety, come to me. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind Through who? Jesus Christ. Not through you, not through alcohol, not through weed. Not through more working out. Not through more sex. No, through Jesus Christ. John 16, 33. Jesus speaking. In the world, you will have trouble. In me, you will have peace. So in the world, you will have trouble. Philippians 4, verse 6, the word anxious means troubled. So Jesus says, the world, trouble, and all that comes with it. Me, peace. The world, trouble. Me, peace. Paul says, be anxious, turn to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God is the God of peace. And yes, the night Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord declared peace on earth. Now, that begs the question, what does peace mean? Peace has five definitions in the New Testament. I'm going to give you two of them, okay? Again, I just don't have time. That's why I'm telling you to go, just go listen to the whole series, all right? The first definition means tranquility for your heart and mind. Tranquility for your heart and mind. So a a peaceful, a restful, a tranquil heart and mind. The second definition means this. It means health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. 
Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, yes, God wants you to be healthy. Welfare, yes, God wants you to live well. Prosperity, yes, God wants you to prosper. Not for the wrong reasons, the right reasons. We're blessed to be a blessing. Okay? All right, so don't take that and twist. Oh, he's a prosperity gospel. Well, I mean, God wants you to prosper just for his glory, for your life, and to be a blessing. Okay? All right, and every kind of good. So listen to me, church. Listen. If it doesn't fit within health, welfare, prosperity, and all kind of good, it is not from Jesus. It's from the world. It may be from your own bad decisions. But do not cast blame on God for things that are not associated with health, welfare, prosperity, and all kinds of good. Why? Because the angel of the Lord declared the moment Jesus was born that from this moment until Jesus comes back at the end of all things, from God the Father to his children is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good, and there is nothing you can do to change it. In your best times, in your worst times, in the seasons where half your life is good and half of it's bad, from God to you, no matter what's going on, no matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, he is sending health, welfare, prosperity, and all kinds of good. Can we give God a shout of praise? So he says, if you'll turn to me, there will be a tranquility. There will be health. There will be welfare. There will be prosperity. There will be all kinds of good. And it will surpass human understanding, and it will guard So the peace of God is not just a declaration from God. We now see it is actually a weapon you use to guard your heart and mind. So John 16 says, in the world you will have trouble. In me, you will have peace. Then he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. The Apostle Paul says, guard your heart. So right now, I'm going to teach you how to take heart. Tonight, I'm going to teach you how to take control of your mind. You ever woken up in, or got in bed in the middle of the night and you got in bed normal and 15 minutes later you were full-blown crazy? <laughs> like you entered the sheets a normal human being. And 15 minutes later, your heart is racing, you're sweating, and you, are, you have dreamed up things that couldn't be true even if you actually tried to make them true. (laughs) So tonight you're going to learn how to get control of your mind. So you come back to church. For real, you come back to church. Okay? So where does trouble land? Trouble lands in your heart and in your mind. But God declares peace, and his peace is what? Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Why don't you say that with me? Come on, say it. Health. Welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. Why don't you say it again? Health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. Why don't you start saying it with a little conviction, a little attitude, okay? Like, like you might actually believe this, okay? Come on, say it with some passion. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Say it one more time. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of 
Why am I being so repetitious? Because that's how you learn. And I want you six months from now, when something tries to come into your life that is bringing trouble for you to remember, mm -mm -mm, the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of me. And he is the Prince of Health, the Prince of Welfare, the Prince of Prosperity. I'm not going to accept this. I am not going to be defined by this. I'm not going to be ruled by this. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I am not going to be depressed. I am not going to be broken. I am not going to live in panic. I live with Jesus, and he has declared over me, say it with me, health, welfare, prosperity, and all kinds of good. Praise the Lord. Amen? So John 16, 33 says, take heart. So the enemy wants you to lose heart. Every day of your life, there is a battle going on for control of your heart and mind. And the devil wants to get control of it. He wants you to lose heart. See, when you lose heart, you get tired. You get exhausted. You get overburdened, over-anxious, over-stressed. You start living half-hearted. You're just going through the motions. I wonder if there's an area of your life that you've lost heart. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your career. You're just going to work and just, well, I've got to pay the bills, so here I am. Maybe it's in your marriage. It's just what used to be isn't what it is today, and now we're just in a business relationship to raise the kids. You've just lost heart. Maybe you've lost heart in the area of anxiety and depression. You want to know how you'll know? Is that you're now declaring those things over your own life. You know, me and my anxiety? Those are the words of someone who has lost heart. You've quit trying to overcome it. You've quit trying to fight it. You've quit trying to be delivered from it. You know, me and my depression. I'm so depressed. That is the vocabulary of someone who has given up. But you don't have to give up. See, here's the great thing about when you've lost something, you can find it once again. You can take heart like Jesus said. See... Living as a Christian is not a life absent from trouble. Living as a Christian is a life of being empowered to overcome trouble. And you do that through the power of God in your life. And Jesus said, take heart. I'm here to tell you today, some of you tonight is going to be the first night that you're going to sleep in peace in months. Some of you are going to start getting free from your panic attacks today. Like today. Some of you, as I speak in the next 21 minutes, you're actually going to feel your heart come alive again. 
Some of you in your marriages, you're going to go home today and you're going to repent to each other. You're going to talk to each other. You're going to start putting effort again. You're going to start being nice to each other again. You're going to start honoring each other. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to love each other. Some of you are going to start giving your offerings again. Some of you are going to start serving again. Some of you are going to go through growth track. You're going to get in that group. You're not going to go through the motions of Christianity anymore. Some of you are going to start removing the identity of insecurity and overburden and over stress and depression and anxiety. You're going to take that off of your life and you're going to live under an identity that I am a child of the Most High God. The Prince of Peace lives on the inside of me and I will live in health, welfare, prosperity, and my life will be ruled by good things even in the face of bad things. So how do we do it? I'm going to give you four simple steps, okay? I don't have time to go through all of them in great detail, all right? Number one, you cannot listen, although you will hear, you don't have to listen to the contrary voices. This isn't a hard concept. You hear things all the time that you don't accept. You don't have to listen to everything. Let me share with you an example uh, the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 1.28, uh, Moses has brought them to the border of the promised land. It's called Canaan. A lot of you know the story, right? The nation of Israel was bound and enslaved to the nation of Egypt. Moses brought them across the Red Sea. And they come to the border, and Moses sends 12 spies. Well, 10 of those spies came back with a negative report. And they actually talked 3 million people out of their destiny. They can literally see God's promise. It's right there. And 10 men affected 3 million It's called Canaan, the land that flowed with milk and honey. In the literal text, it means this, the land that flowed with health, welfare, and prosperity. Why? Because all God's promises bring health, welfare, and prosperity. Except in the face of every promise, there will be a contrary voice. And you have to start listening to the right ones. But man, it's hard. Because it is so easy to listen to negativity. It is so easy to fall into your insecurities. It is so easy right now to get cynical. It is so easy to convince yourself of conspiracies. I mean, my God. Like, you don't even actually have to try. Right? It's so easy to listen to those contrary voices. It's so easy to forget that God is on your side. I mean, these people got delivered from the most powerful man on the planet. God then destroyed him and his entire army. Opens an ocean. Let's them walk through an ocean on dry land closes the ocean, takes them through the wilderness, 
while out in the middle of nowhere, delivers manna from heaven to feed them. In the day while it was hot, he would bring a cloud to give them shade. How trippy was that? Like this cloud just moving in unison with three million people. At night, said cloud would come and form a pillar of fire to keep them warm. And then they walk in, and look what it says. Where can we go? Our brothers have discouraged our hearts. That's all Satan's trying to do, is to discourage your heart. Oh, you can't apply for that promotion. (laughs) Who are you? You'll never overcome this. Oh, you'll always be depressed. Oh, why would you even try? Why even bother again? I mean, what's the point anyway? This stuff doesn't work. Some of you, when I said, you're going to start being delivered from this, you're going to start sleeping, the contrary voice was in your head while I said it. No, I won't. I mean, that'll, I believe that'll work for someone in this room, but not me. All that is is the contrary voice, and it is so easy. Look what happens. It says, they discouraged our hearts. The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified to the heavens. (laughs) To the heavens? To the heavens. (laughs) In numbers in this story, they actually say, and we saw the the giants of Anakin there. And then they say, the, city, the cities truly do flow with milk and honey. The next statement is, we saw the giants. The next statement is, the land devours its inhabitants. Well, which one is it? <laughs> does it flow with milk and honey and produce giants or does it devour the inhabitants? Which one is it? But see... When your heart is discouraged, you begin to make exaggerative statements, sweeping generalizations. Everybody's against me. Nobody pays attention to me. There's no way I could do that. You've done it 10 times in your life already. I can never... God doesn't heal anymore. Really? Because last week, you had a headache, you took an leave, and the headache went away. Well, God didn't heal me, really? Because he's the God of good things. Don't tell me that a leave that fixed your headache in 10 minutes isn't from God. Everything good comes from the Father of lights. He still heals, Right? See, Satan will always want to make you think that the challenge is insurmountable. It's fortified to the heavens. I mean, I've seen some tall buildings, but none of them have ever reached the heavens. (laughs) See, in the world, you have trouble. And the trouble just tries to discourage your heart. And you can't accept the contrary voice. Isn't it amazing 
how we will allow our hearts to sink by things that have no effect on us. I mean, you'll watch the news and get depressed, and it has nothing to do with you. You'll get so mad at a decision that's made, you start fighting with your wife. The decision doesn't even affect you. Am I the only one? I can't be the only one. We all do it, don't we? We allow the issues of society to become our issues. And then we stress, then we worry, then we get anxiety, then we get panic, then we get worried, and none of it has anything to do with us. Remember the 2008 recession? When we started every conversation with, well, in this economy. Remember that? Well, in this economy, who could do that? And 90% of the time, it's like, well, you can. I mean, it got so bad in America, we got all the way down to 9% unemployment. 9%. So 91% of people still had jobs. But you would have thought it was the other way around. You would have thought nobody had a job. Well, in this economy, who can buy a house? You can, bud. You have a job. You're good, bro. I'm so worried about this. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Keep doing what you've been doing. You're fine. Right? Don't allow the contrary voice to cause you to forget that God is greater, God is stronger, he is more than enough, you are an overcomer, you are a conqueror through Christ Jesus, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. In in me, Jesus said, you will have peace, in the world you will have trouble. You run to Jesus, amen? Number two, oh, here's where it gets hard. You got to deal with disappointment. Oh, disappointment. You got to face it. You got to deal with it. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. You know, if there's one thing that we all have in common in this room, it's that we have and we will again face disappointment. What is disappointment? Disappointment is a failure of an expectation. Disappointment comes in all shapes and sizes. And listen, I'm not talking about meaningless disappointment. Like, I'm not talking about that they put an extra pump of vanilla in your latte. Get over yourself. Like, just be grateful that you're so blessed to live in a country where you can afford to pay $5 for a coffee, okay? Like, I'm so so disappointed, man. I ordered it medium rare, and they brought it medium. Stop it. You are so prosperous that you can pay other people to make you food. Like, get over yourself. No, I'm talking about your 16-year-old comes home pregnant. You're driving home from work, minding your own business, and someone runs a red light and T-bones you. I'm talking about greed in New York gets you laid off. I'm talking about you come home and your spouse is looking at porn. Or you open up messages and they're talking to somebody. 
And here's the thing about disappointment. Sometimes it seems like it comes in waves. And it's unrelenting. And I mean, you're, you're in your life and you're like, God, can I just get a breath, please? Can I get a break? Can we pace out the disappointment? Like, can you give me three months to deal with this? And then, okay, and then this? No, it's like it just one after another after another, and it's hitting you over the head, and you don't know where to look, and you don't know what to do. It all comes to make your heart sick. Here's what it's coming to do. It's coming to rob you of your hope. See, in the New King James, where it says unrelenting disappointment makes your heart sick, it says hope deferred makes your heart sick. Well, disappointment is the antithesis to hope. Hope is a positive expectation for your future. Disappointment is a failure of what? Of hope. So the Bible then says in, in, in Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with peace. So he's the God of a positive expectation. Why? Because he has declared to you that in every situation, he is going to deliver unto you health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. So God removed from the Bible, it does not exist the word hopeless or hopelessness. Because as a child of God, the hope of humanity, Jesus Christ, lives on the inside of you. The devil is trying to get you to become a prisoner to disappointment. But God said to be a prisoner of hope. So if you allow disappointment to rule your heart, but see, it's so tempting to not face the disappointment. To just live Broken, hurting. We say things like, I'm devastated. You're not devastated. You're choosing to be devastated. We allow that disappointment to poison our hearts. And it robs us of our fight, of our grit, of our endurance, of our strength. You don't try anymore. Why? Because your heart is sick. Carla and I, 12 years ago, she got pregnant with our first child. It was a really exciting time. Announced it to the church. My mom started buying gifts. We didn't even know the the gender of the child. And my mom was already buying pillows and blankets and wanting to order furniture. And I'm like, wow. So we go to the doctor. Everything's great. You know, they do that weird jelly stuff and, you know, the, uh, the little sticky thing. You know, and everything's great. Go back the next month. And we walked in and the lady turned it on. And I felt in my spirit there's something wrong. And sure enough, she's doing it. And she goes, hmm. And she's doing it, and I'm like, oh, no. She goes, well, I, I can't find a, a, the, the, the beat, the heartbeat. Uh, but don't worry. Don't panic. I'm like, <laughs> what did you just say to me? So we come back two weeks later. Sure enough, my wife's had a miscarriage. 
And um, she's had the type of miscarriage that didn't flush out of her body naturally, so they have to go do a procedure. It's called a DNC, where they take the cartilage out and all that. Come to find out, my wife had like this one in a million type of miscarriage. It's called a molar pregnancy. I'll spare you the details, okay? In that type, they have to then do blood work to check the woman's hormones to make sure that the hormones come back to a, a pre-pregnancy level. If they do not, the woman has to go through six months' worth of chemotherapy. So we get sent to the foremost specialist in El Paso, Texas. And uh, he walks in the room, and he says, well... I'm going to check you into the hospital today. Uh, we're going to start you on six rounds of chemotherapy. It'll be four days a week. Uh, I think it was twice a month for six months or something like that. I, I don't really remember all the details, okay? And I mean, I'm like losing my mind. I remember I couldn't hear a word he was saying. I'm thinking to myself, okay, how are we here? How was it that two months ago we're celebrating that she's pregnant? Now we're doing chemotherapy. Does my wife have cancer? Because he didn't say cancer, but I heard chemotherapy, so I said cancer. So now I'm saying to myself, how can my beautiful, strong, amazing, lawyer, successful, powerful wife have cancer? From a miscarriage. Doctor didn't say cancer, but Jared is saying cancer. Because that's a sick heart. You start saying things as truth that are not true. Because you're not facing the disappointment. So, thank God, my, the doctor walks out of the room, and I mean, my head is spinning. And my wife goes, Jared, get up, we're leaving. I went, yeah, I know, babe. we got to go check into the hospital. She said, uh-uh. The Holy Spirit just told me that the doctor's wrong. We're leaving. And I'm like, we're, we're what? She's like, we're leaving, Jared. Get up. We're leaving. Now, you don't understand. My, my wife's a litigator, okay? So when she speaks, you obey. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Except that we really do have a big church and, like, a lot of people know me. So, like, when I had walked in, all the nurses all came, Pastor Jared. <laughs> so then I'm like, my wife's out. And I'm like, Goodbye. We're leaving. Oh, God bless you. Great to see you, sister. I'll see you Sunday. My wife's down the hall yelling at me. Jared, I told you to leave. I'm like, uh, send us the bill. I'm sure you have your, our address. Like, thank you. Yeah, email my office if you need counseling. We're cool. I'm like being sweet, right? My wife's like, get out of the building, Jared. So sure, to make a long story short, sure enough, she didn't have any of it. The original doctor who did the procedure didn't get all of the cartilage out. Her body thought she was still pregnant. That was the only thing going on. See, sometimes in life, you've got to slow yourself down so you can hear the voice of the Lord. Because when that disappointment gets unrelenting, you can't hear the voice of the Lord. That's why he says, be anxious, turn to me. Amen? All right, number three, we're going to do this real fast. Number three, people lose their peace when they get overwhelmed by circumstance. King David comes in, and the nation of Israel is at war with the Philistines. And there's this guy named Goliath. You know the story. He's a giant. 
right? So King David comes in in 1 Samuel, and he goes, I'll, I'll fight him. I'll take him on. I've killed a lion and a bear. I'll do it. And look what he says in 1 Samuel 17. He says, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Let no man's heart fail. You want to know if you've had a failed heart? Just listen to your self-talk. Nothing good ever happens for me and my family. Our marriage is broken beyond repair. I could never get that promotion. I couldn't do that. There's no way I could finish college now. That's a fallen heart. The nation of Israel wouldn't even fight. They wouldn't even get in the fight. You can go read the story. They were hiding in bunkers. The God of angel armies was on their side, and they wouldn't even engage. See, the devil can't actually defeat you, so he just has to get you to stop fighting the fight of faith. But don't quit. Don't lose heart. Don't let yourself grow weary. Don't give up on overcoming anxiety. Don't give up on not having peace. You have peace. It lives on the inside of you. And that brings you to the last point, which was the first point, is you have to run to Jesus. That's all David did. He said, my God is greater. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I fear no evil. Did you know that he wrote Psalm 23 while walking down the mountain to face Goliath? I fear no evil. God is with me. In me, you have peace. In the world, you have trouble. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, pray. See, every time anxiety, depression, disappointment, challenge, overburden, worry, darkness comes into your life, your life comes to a crossroad. And you have a choice to make. And that choice is you are going to run to God, the author and finisher of your, of your faith, the hope of humanity, the prince of health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Or you are going to run away from God. There is no other option. On this side of the, of the road is peace. On this side is trouble. You are driving the car. You either take a left or a right. The choice is yours. Now, your nature, everything about you will scream at you to turn to the world. But why is it that we keep doing the same things we've been doing that have not been working, and yet we convince ourselves to just keep doing it? Like some of you told yourself not to come back tonight. It's not part of my routine. I've got work tomorrow. Oh, because you're going to bed at 8 o'clock tonight? Stop it. You're going to Netflix till 1230. Like, stop it. We have church at 6. You'll literally be out of the property at 730. Like, 
So you can either run to Jesus, who is your source and your supply, or not. The, the choice is yours. But if you will run to him, you will never be absent of peace because where he is, all of who he is is with him and he is the prince of health, the prince of welfare, the prince of prosperity, the prince of good things. He is the prince of a tranquil heart and mind. Amen? Amen. Amen.